0: I'm here with Rosalie Minnett. I have written here that it says you're a UK based Belgian writer and comedian. You uh, are an alumnus of the award-winning sketch comedy group The Durham Review, the Soho Comedy Labs, and you're currently training in improv at the Free Association in London. But how about, Rosalie, if you introduce yourself and tell us about how you got started in comedy and uh, anything else?
1: much um so i'm rosalie and i yeah i'm from i'm my dad is from manchester actually and my mum is from belgium so I'm, i've got like a two a sort of two-pronged attack of identity there um but i yeah i, I kind of started doing it when i was at uni um, i started performing with the review and i actually I, it's funny because i didn't really like think of myself as like a very funny performer i mean some people might may still argue that in which case that's fine um but I, yeah, I, I could kind of, I was in this play and I remember, I, I remember I sort of like was really bored because I'd only had like three lines and I started like kind of messing about on stage and I, and the audience were like laughing and I was like, this is really fun. I love the idea of playing like fun characters and I'd never really had that experience before. Um, and then I got into the review and I kind of had like my first taste of like writing sketches and doing comedy with other people on stage, which was like, it was quite a tough, um training ground because there was quite a lot of like boys in our troops you had to like shout for attention and like shout to get your voice heard. Um,
0: um tell me then about the uh the sketch comedy group. So were you performing at the university, but did you also perhaps take it to Edinburgh or take it elsewhere? So what did you do?
1: Yeah, so it's it's kind of like one of those um those sort of like footlightsy troops that like run every year. So there's like lots of people that have come out of it who are now doing really well, and they we kind of just would do shows in in uni, and then we take it to like go and perform in Oxford and Cambridge, and then do it. We did a a, sh- a run at um an Edinburgh Fringe, and I mean obviously like that's such a different kind of ball game to what I'm doing now, and I I just remember thinking it was really hard when I went up that like that time when all of my accommodation was sort of like funded by the group and I didn't have to worry about anything and and I remember being like god this is so stressful and now I'm heading up now and I'm like okay I had absolutely no idea (laughs) how stressful.
0: What, and what what about that then so uh, that sounds like uh you know a great and useful apprenticeship and an insight oh, yeah. but but not everybody who gets a taste for it keeps coming keeps coming back what what was that early experience like at the fringe because I think sometimes for young students uh, there's a lot of competition there's a lot of similar groups and you know, attracting an audience is always challenging so how did you find your first fringe what was it like
1: well I so said I'd actually been um a year before with a musical which was sort of like ill-fated situation but it was it was actually really good it was just one of those ones where you were kind of in a student musical you had to kind of like fight for your way to to the front and then when we came back with the review we were like in a slightly better venue and I was like wow this is really cool and I just I remember just I actually just remember looking up to other performers and being like like other sort of um you know like character shows or you know like one person shows in our venue and being like I would love to do that and i remember seeing a show in the venue that I'm actually going to and being like i would love to be in this venue I would love to bring my show and that was like probably it was 2018 so that had been five years ago that I was like i want I would love to do this yeah. and i think that's also part of the reason why i want to do it now because i just remember saying to myself like i i can't imagine what it takes to to do that and yes. i'd love to do that and, and i did not know what it took no. uh, maybe more for me but it was <laughs> like i'm realizing my dream as it were
0: that's good. Well, we must we must talk about that. So that that that's good to hear. We we must talk about what it does take and and, and what you've got planned. But what about the? Uh, were you able to attract an audience? Uh, did you get um, you know positive feedback? Were there some highs and lows during oh, the yeah. first
1: fringe? Highs and lows for sure I think we were like a bit of a we were a bit more of an experimental group in the sense that like usually the the review will be quite a a solid like you know people go to the student comedy groups because they know what to expect and I think for some reason our group was just full of like we were all sort of writing quite weird stuff and it was a bit weirder than the kind of normal the normal punters were like expecting but some of the shows weren't great and some of the shows like everything were harder than others like I just remember loving um performing with other people and like improving every day and and kind of like changing things up and I think that's the one thing about when you're performing on your own that you don't get so I think if I was going to do something again I'd love to do it with like someone else or in a group just because it's you know that like level of camaraderie that you get when you're performing on stage with other people is like so precious and so fun. Yes. Um, I think it's great. It really
0: um, it's great to hog the limelight, but it's nice <laughs> to have some support, uh, yeah. especially when uh, there are the usual ups and downs. Um, that, that, that's good. So we must explore uh, how you got to uh, where where you are now, then, uh, Rosalie. So um, let's let's just jump right to the present because currently you're. I'm talking to you in uh, in July. We've got August and Edinburgh looming round the corner, and you're taking your first uh, show to Edinburgh, your first solo show, uh, yeah. Clementine or Clementine?
1: Uh, Clementine is, is is what I've basically decided it's called. <laughs>
0: good, Clementine's good. <laughs> now I've got course. a question for you but forgive me because we can always chop it out. So a Clementine then, it's a citrus fruit, it's a hybrid, you know yes. this, between the willow leaf mandarin orange and a sweet orange and it's named in honour of Clement. Rodia, a French missionary who first discovered and propagated the Clementine. Now, you know that already. What's that got to do with your show?
1: Great question. Um, that has, uh, unfortunately, it, it is, does, does not appear. That <laughs> key information does not appear in the show. Um, why it's called that is it also a good question. I think I initially started writing this and I had this idea when I kind of like ha- uh, found this book in... Um, a it was like a charity shop and it was basically like a a handbook for like housewives and there was like a like it was a real thing for like an Edwardian handbook and there was all sorts of like weird things in it but bizarre things like um what what your dreams mean and and like how you should read the stars alongside a lot of like quite misogynistic like cleaning advice which was really weird and then I remember there just being like a reference to if you if you meet someone called Clementine like you're like you're gonna have bad luck and I remember just being like that's really funny because it's so specific and when has anyone ever met anyone called that (laughs) if if, uh
0: if we come to see your show we certainly will and what what can we expect then I've so I have seen some great reviews including the one from Brighton that says it's an enjoyably silly performance which has its audience laughing throughout now if it's silly that sounds great to me because I'm a big fan of silly comedy but Want to just describe what what will an audience see? What's what what can they expect if they come to see your show?
1: So yeah, definitely silly. It's it's very childlike and it's very like messy and it's very um like hyper and you're kind of overwhelmed as an audience member to you know the world that you're in. And I think you can kind of expect to sort of be swept up. It's one of those shows as well that like it's it's just not for everyone. And the people who love it love it. The people who don't understand it. Like I don't understand it, but I would advise people to just kind of like go along with the ride because there's certain times where I've done the show, and i've I know the moment that I've won them over, and sometimes you know it's harder than others like if people come into it blind, it takes it, you have to work hard to get them on board, and That's I love true. it when there's a moment in in the in the sort of audience where you're like, right we're in, let's go because it's so like good. in my head where I'm like, oh God like. How am I going to get them on board? And I'm like screaming, I'm like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" Because they don't, they don't get it yet. Like they're not in it. And then I'll do something, and then I'm like, "Yes, we're in it. Like, let's go." Because then, then it's really hard to lose them because they're in the world.
0: That's right. Um, That's right. And this sounds, this sounds good. And it sounds from the review that the comedy hit rate is high. And and I noticed from the publicity, perhaps, or maybe some images uh, that you make use of Sylvanian families. Is this yeah. right? What do they, yeah. what what do they have to do in your show?
1: They, well, I'm trying to find a way to actually in, in, like to have them more of them in it, actually. But they kind of uh, are her family, are the Sovietian families. And the reason was because I, I used to play with them a lot as a kid and my mum threatened to throw them away last year. And I said that I would use them. And she said when and I said this year. And so that was why I was like, right, I'm going to have to use them.
0: This is, this is good. If only, if only I'd done the same with my etch sketch and Viewmaster, I might still have it, <laughs> but I have a feeling they've gone. So tell me about the uh, writing process for this show, because I, I understand you performed it at a few uh, fringe festivals and elsewhere in preparation for Edinburgh. So how did the show come about? How did you create it?
1: Um, well, it was a bit of a lockdown creation, as I think a lot of things are now. Um and I, I was sort of like wanted to to do. I just, I kind of lost sort of confidence over lockdown, and like as a lot of people did, you know, didn't have a chance to perform or write. And uh, yeah, I felt like I I just kind of lost confidence in my own like creativity, and I felt like I just wanted to set myself a bit of a, a, a challenge. And be, and it had been so long since I'd been on stage and had performed that I kind of just wanted to be like right. Let's just write this. Let's put it out, and let's just see what happens. And through the process of doing that, I, I also usually people will like gig for ages, and then they'll write their show. And instead, I just wrote an hour and put it on, and, and I've just sort of been learning backwards from then, um, which actually has been really good. So I, in all of the the fringe festivals, I've taken it to like you know some have been easier than others, obviously, but I've learned like so much about myself as a performer and about the show, and it's sometimes obviously when you're in it you don't think about how far you've come but over the process of like the show I've and like developing it and kind of figuring out what works and what doesn't and it, it's funny as well because I've been doing it for a while now and like been workshopping it that it's easy sometimes to lose the bits that work because you get overexcited and I did a really great run at Vault Festival and then I took it to Brighton for a bit and I had made some changes and it just like didn't quite work so I'm kind of in the process of sort of going back to what it was and like kind of trying to streamline it a bit and just kind of sorting out my ed- like little tweaks here and there yeah. to sort of yeah. figure out how you can land things the best. But yeah, people wouldn't believe how much work goes into something like of this. Of course, like,
0: well, it sounds just- it sounds like you're doing it the right way because of course <laughs> you would. Uh, there are some uh, comedians uh, who might just think they want to do the fringe and might turn up at Edinburgh and then and then uh, try and write the show over the next thirty days or so. So at least you've thought about it and you've done some preparation. So yeah. do, are you saying then? you sat down and wrote a script is that the process you go through and then and then what do you do as a result of your experience at these different uh, performances are you are you then going back to the laptop and and rewriting it or do you just uh, write it in your head for the stage
1: um, so I basically got like a big Google doc and then I've also got a doc of like stuff. It's like, it's like a script graveyard of place of stuff where like I've just shoved things. Um, I, I kind of initially wrote it and then I've, every time I perform it, it's like, when you're on stage you're both trying to remember the the words perform but then also you're constantly like that works that doesn't work why doesn't that work what's and then it's it's that like process of and I, I it, my preview last I had a bit of a disastrous preview last week and it was the big the like the I think because I had all of that going on at once where every single line I was like that works that doesn't that work and I was like almost more in that than I was in the performance which yeah. is what previews are for that's but right it's also, like you know, I then went back to my phone like immediately and I was like, works, doesn't work, works, doesn't work. And then I'm now basically in the process of trying to unpick all of those bits. And and it's funny as well, because as I'm sure you know, like so, like, a joke can swing on a single word. So there's c- certain jokes where like I've been making them for, for nine months, but like I've only now got to the point where like the wording is like just right you know yeah, yeah. and like there's still some bits where I'm like ah it's still not right I don't know what I don't know what it needs but it needs like a slight different change of word or like a, sl- a tiny thing so I'm that's still kind of you that's know...
0: interesting and I I think uh for for what it's worth um, I think it's probably a truism that what we write doesn't always sound as good when we say it on yeah. stage and therefore you have to try and find the spoken word or the way of saying something yes. that conveys the same message and as you're perhaps suggesting then finding that nugget and usually concise way and arrangement of words that um, that that does the job but it's easier easier said than done have you got an example of a of a joke or a, a favorite part of your show that's um undergone that development process
1: yes i so basically i have this like uh this thing where she she the character like only eats peas to kind of like mock the fact that a lot of it is about like the relationship with the mum and that like people have, a, you know, bad relationship with food. And um, it's basically, she eats the pea and then I kept on just adding more peas into it. And then every time she eats it, there's like a little, like a little sound effect now. But it kind of went from it just happening on like, I just improv it once on like in like a gig. And then I was like, oh, that's really funny. And then I did it again. And I was like, oh, that's really good. And then like, now it's like a really big part of it. Well, like a running joke, but it's sometimes... I think having that space and the um, kind of the courage, I guess, to like take a chance and to, and I think that's where I am a bit at the moment. And I was talking to someone recently about, about this. And they said, it's quite normal when you've been like performing something for a while that like you get so scared about changing stuff because you, you're like kind of stuck in your ways a bit. And even if it's something that doesn't work, you're kind of scared to step out of it because you know, you've done it before. So I think what I'm trying to like, get back into in the run up to Edinburgh in the next like week or so when I'm rehearsing is just to kind of like bring that kind of spontaneity and joy into it and 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 like love performing it and that's the thing that sells the character the most I think
0: that sounds good. And I think you're right, actually, about about that. You have to make sure you're not too precious about um, any of the material and do what you need to do to keep it fresh and keep it fun. And it sounds like you're sounds like you're uh, managing to do that. And, and what about um, is there an overall narrative, dare I ask, uh, stroke theme? Is there a message? <laughs> what are, What are you trying to say other than helping the audience to escape and have fun and laugh a lot?
1: Um, it's a good point actually that's like kind of where I am in in the process at the moment because uh, I think that the one thing that I've become really good at when doing the show and doing the character is like the gag rate is really high and when I'm in like a you know, when I'm in like a writing headspace, I'm like, I've got the gags, they're coming, like thick and fast. But it's it's sort of being able to weave it in a way that where like, you can still have moments of like heart and softness yeah. in, in a way that feels, because it's not, you know, a stand up show. It's, yeah. It is also like a, a funny play. And I want people to go and, I want there to be like a heart in it as well. And I think that's what I'm trying to balance at the moment. Like, how do you, you know, choose between Narrative and a joke because there's moments where like I'll put a joke in because I like the joke but then it also undercuts like the, the the very understanding of that moment so like if you then kind of sabotage a narrative point with a great punchline it then makes it really hard to understand as a, as an audience so yeah. I'm trying to like really carefully kind of weigh up and also don't want to like have to hold. The audience's hand and and like constantly signpost what's happening because that's also really annoying yeah so because also i'm not like a a, a sort of theater maker so i'm i'm kind of trying to teach myself those elements as well like how do you kind of build a structure that makes sense and how do you um like how do you kind of build a little bit of like empathy for a character Mm -hmm. who is like basically there to make you laugh as well as like i want to make them kind of feel for her as well and um
0: I think. Um, sorry to interrupt. I think the. Hey, I think yeah. you're right, though. That yeah, in, in the longer form, fringe show, there is time to do that. But getting the balance right is the tricky bit for all of us, because as as perhaps you're hinting at, uh, then you 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 want to keep the audience engaged, uh, and you want to just get that get that balance right. That sounds great. Obviously, you're hoping the show goes well. You'll get some great <laughs> reviews and feedback. What would be your ideal? What do you want to do next? Uh, do you want to develop this character or have you got other characters in mind? So where, where would you like to go next after Edinburgh with this in the ideal world?
1: That's a good question. I think, like, I'd love to keep on doing, like, character stuff. And I, the, the thing is, is that I think what probably a lot of people realise now is that, like, just putting a show together is so much work, like, it takes over your entire life, you know, having a um even just doing comedy or gigging is like a real lifestyle choice Mm. so I think that like after Edinburgh however it goes hopefully it's at least fun um that it's I can kind of come away and 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 take some time to just kind of like take stock and um and kind of like rebalance my life a bit because I feel like everything I've done over the past few months has just been like geared towards this month um but then I would like really love to to kind of yeah, like look at a new character or like if people like it, like maybe there's a part two in me, maybe there's a prequel. I don't know. Maybe it might be a Star Wars situation. Who knows? Sure. Um, If if people are lucky, I might, you know.
0: (laughs) Hey, well, this, no, this this sounds good. And um, do you have any uh, irons uh, in other fires? Uh, um, so are you performing stand-up or character or improv elsewhere? And do you have any uh, regular venues or uh, places that you perform?
1: Well, I do lots of gigging around London. So there's lots of great, like, kind of alternative, like comedy nights that, that I've performed in over the last few months and just, like, really lovely places and really super friendly performers and artists. All around, um, I also have like this uh, thing that I do with my friend, which is called Comedy Climate Change, and mm-hmm. it's a um, it's quite a comedy versus climate change. Basically, it's like a uh, organisation that we kind of uh, we sort of did over lockdown, and now it's we're sort of trying to bring it back a little bit. We did a um, We do like workshops and like uh, put on nights in like regional areas in the UK so we did one in um, Aberdeen uh, earlier this year and we did which was really far away but it was great and it was uh, in partnership with a rewilding charity and we got lots of like local comics in and basically raised awareness um, for their like climate week which was great Um, and then I also I mean it's not necessarily comedy but I also work in children's TV Um, so I mean like the whole thing is a joke in many ways Um, but so
0: Well tell me tell us about that because uh TV people might say what's that i thought it was all tiktok and youtube so tell yeah. me about tell, tell me about children's tv what are you doing
1: well to be fair it's yeah i mean it probably feels quite old fashioned to some people now but i um we do like uh, a lot of their like children like cbbc stuff um and we do i've recently been working on like an educational program where we like go around and and like film for Uh, like book week and poetry day and things like that and I I love it because we go into like local schools and um, get the kids in for a day to film and they like do their little lessons and it's really sweet it's super like heartwarming. Mm
0: This sounds great, um, and of course, uh, kids are uh, great comedians in their own way, yeah. and they certainly like to play and have fun. But uh, what's your role in that? Are you presenting? Are you writing? Organising? Running? What are you doing?
1: Well, I wish I was presenting, but I actually, I, I actually really enjoy what I do in it. So I do like producing and like um, writing stuff. So we kind of uh, work in teams of two where we'll take ownership over an episode and then we'll like write the script and book the talent and then like I'm also often put in charge of the kids yeah um, I really like <laughs> oh, it wow. oh, yeah. and I just basically like have to teach them all the stuff all day but I yeah. love it because it's very um like as you said they're just so they are so funny yeah. and they're so like buzz to be in the studio That's right.
0: That's right. and if if uh, we want to look out for um, any of the stuff that you're contributing to or making what what what's What's this show called or where would we find it?
1: So this is called BBC Live Lessons. Um, and then the our Comedy Versus Climate Change website is I think gonna be revamped soon, hopefully, um, and then yeah, I mean if if, if anyone wants to keep in, in touch with me in my weird life, I do have social media, but I, I I'm not sure if I'm like the, the most entertaining presence.
0: <laughs> oh well, I'm sure uh, there'll be plenty of uh, interest. Uh, this is this is good. Yeah, good to hear about that. And the um the comedy versus climate change sounds uh, like a a really interesting and potentially a very powerful and important initiative. Uh, do you expect that do you expect that to uh develop have you got any more bookings are you pushing that further
1: yeah well we're gonna basically i've had to put quite a lot of it on hold because i'm um going to edinburgh but i i think in september we're gonna potentially do some stuff up north and we're putting lots of proposals together at the moment to just kind of try and because we've been uh, a lot of people have reached out to us over the last year like a lot of organizations and charities which suggests that there is a really big call for it Um, and i think what's what's nice about it is that it's like it's a bit of an unusual kind of like arts offer for for like regional areas whilst also being something that like you know goes into communities and and is about like a a, something that really matters so I really hope we do more of it because it's so fun and it feels like I I also think I don't know if you ever get this but whilst I love performing it is ultimately an incredibly self-serving thing and sometimes I'll like come out of it and I'm like god like Great fun! I made people laugh, but also like, it like is all about you, and it's nice to do something that feels like you're contributing a little bit. No, to that
0: system. sounds great, and I think I think it'd be fair to say that. Um, we might look back on the history of comedy and think that when alternative comedy first came about in the 80s it, it, it felt more political more politically minded and um, it does feel like uh, comedy uh, now in the 20th, uh, 21st century is of course yeah, uh, um, more about the individual and perhaps although it's commenting laughing and making fun of uh, the world we live in um, perhaps it's not as active as it might be so this sounds like a, a super initiative and want to want to follow. do you think uh we mentioned earlier um uh, you mentioned mentioned the word as far as well as far as our uh, edwardian perhaps uh, clementine or wh- whatever period in history because i don't yeah, think it's, it's that a random particular, period <laughs> uh, some sometime in the olden days uh when when things were different um and things have certainly changed and you mentioned the word misogyny um, an ear earlier and of course um, comedy and stand-up and in fact many industries uh and the world has been male dominated for a long time i hope that that's changing but what what's your view as a young woman coming into comedy about how welcome uh you've been made to feel and about the world of stand-up and comedy do you have a do you have a view on any of this
1: yeah i mean it's it's tough because i think that although you know we lots has changed, and there are so many more, like, female comedians making amazing work. I think that, the, like, it is still quite a, like, male-dominated industry. It is still quite alienating for women, and, like, you know, I, I think, especially when you do, like, a lot of stand-up nights, like, you have to go to places on your own, and you have to go back late at night, like, even on those, like, quite basic levels, it can be quite a, like, quite a dangerous thing to do. Um, I think I found that there are some people... Who, whilst I I've like been made to feel really welcome by loads of people, especially in like an alternative comedy, because I think it's a bit more open minded. Um, I think it's also it is sometimes quite hard when you know. You, you can't help but think sometimes like oh if I was a man coming up on stage and doing this like would it be slightly easier um and I heard this someone once say that like when a man gets up on stage all he has to worry about is losing the audience whereas when a woman gets on stage she has to win the audience and I always think I always think that because it, it is so true and I think that sometimes you see someone get on stage and like who's who's a man and like people will just inherently laugh because they expect it to be good and then and then they lose the audience because maybe they're not good whereas like a woman you always come on with like a kind of expectation to have to prove yourself yeah. which can be quite like frustrating and it can also be quite like yeah it's it's still, like disheartening but I, yeah. I think things are changing hopefully and I think there's you can also change as a woman I think with your tastes like I always try and make sure that the people that I'm like watching and the and the comedians that I'm following are like a really great mix of people and that I'm not always like looking to male comedians for like yeah. you know inspiration that I've got loads of women as well that I love as, and follow and I'm inspired by yeah, well, I
0: hope I hope things are changing. But, of course, as ever, as you go through change, there's always going to be kind of echoes and reverberations from the past that we have to all uh, look out for. But we can definitely all um, learn from each other. And and um, thinking about character comedy, which you're involved in, and I, I also am involved in when I perform as uh, Cutlery Safety Expert, Ian Crawford in particular, <laughs> uh, then what is it about character that uh, appeals to you? Uh, would you and do you... Uh, ever perform as yourself or do you prefer to express yourself through the voice of other characters
1: yeah I I really prefer it I, I really hate doing stand-up mm. as myself and I, I think that obviously everyone when they do stand-up there's like a slight character you know everyone has like a slight performance but I feel that I I, I kind of felt sometimes when I did stand up that one even if it went well I didn't like my material like I felt like if I was sat there watching it I wouldn't like it and I think that's that's always a bad sign so I remember being like you you have to make stuff that you would like even if no one is laughing if you would laugh then it's then you're on the right track and i remember doing a night once and everyone was like that was so good and i went home and i was like i hated that i would have hated to watch that um so i think that was that was a part of that was the first level of me being like i want to change things up i want to do something slightly different
0: so how could you end up on stage delivering material that you don't like what happened there
1: i think that i mean i don't i don't really like stand up often which as in like you know traditional I find that very hard to watch sometimes. And I think something something that's very like, like my show is quite like punchline heavy, but I think because you're in a world, it doesn't feel as like, you have to work as hard whereas I think sometimes if if someone's like talking about their mum and it's clearly not something that's happened to them and then they punchline it I I find it quite like wearisome and I think you can go and you know when you're first doing comedy you can go and see these shows and you're like oh that stand-up that that joke format works so then you take it home and you're like okay I'm gonna do that joke format and then it means that you end up like shoehorning you know, certain types of your humour into yeah. into that. And then I was yeah. like, actually, you know, if I look at the people I love, yeah. a lot of them aren't like your, your traditional stand-ups. And yeah. I yeah. wanted to do stuff that I would want to watch, yeah. but no. that's really hard. <laughs>
0: No, that's okay, and I think you've got to be true to yourself. And, and, and yeah, I think if you watch stand-up and you try to emulate that and think, well, that's what stand-up is, but you're performing jokes that aren't authentic and true to yourself, then that's perhaps where the different the, the gap is. Yeah, so that that's yeah. that, that, just interesting.
1: And then, yeah, I, I like the kind of, maybe it's a bit cowardly, but I, I like the kind of protection of a character because I feel like if people don't like it, it's like oh they don't like this character that you put like they don't like the thing that you made and then it's like oh fine and then equally if people love it then it's like oh they like the thing that you made and that feels all very separate which i think is healthier than whether it's like oh we like we like you and we like your life or we don't like you or we don't like your life feels like such a slippery slope to me and i don't like you like yeah i know a lot of people really struggle with stand-up because they feel like they do things sometimes in their life and then they're like oh that'll be a great story on stage and then it becomes a bit of a weird relationship that you have with your own life and I don't know I just don't really like that that makes me stressed out.
0: (laughs) Yeah no that's that's interesting because you do kind of have to either be more vulnerable open up unpack your life or certainly perhaps be good at um, making stuff up and lying convincingly. And then, what about getting into character? So, is Clementine very different from you, or is she just a <laughs> a, 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 a version of you, or is she is she your worst bits, some of you a bit of a mixture? Is she autobiographical, or is she just completely fictional? And also, how do you become her? Is it is it acting, um, or do you have any uh, comedic uh, tricks up your sleeve so that you can convince yourself and the audience that you are Clementine for that hour?
1: Um, I think that that there's probably like some similarities. I mean, I hope I'm not too similar, but I think that, you know, it's, it's she's kind of like the worst person in the world. So I suppose it's all of my like worst traits. I think that there's like, uh, the costume really helps me. Like when I'm in costume, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. Um, and I think that, that something that I'm trying to work on at the moment is like to like having a little bit of a ritual before I go on stage. That's like, okay, what am I like? What are the what am I listening to with music? Like, what am because I'm obviously doing it on my own. It's all about like kind of my own process. And I think that that's sometimes something I found really hard when I've been doing gigs because you kind of just have ten minutes to go in, and usually you don't have like somewhere to get dressed or get ready, and you just kind of have to go in. And sometimes I'm like, I go in so cold, and I like. It, it takes me so long for me to warm up and by the time that I've done that like I'm done yeah. so yeah. I think that's something I struggle with I like I would love to um to I'm trying at the moment to add things into the beginning of my show which will help me kind mm. of get into the vibe and well and also kind of like really helpfully kind of introduce the, the character mm. to people um which yeah. I'm like trying to figure out at the moment
0: now, you mentioned there that she's the worst person in the world. Um, <laughs> how, uh, how would you, if we met her at a party or at a bus stop, uh, what's how would you describe her? What would she be like?
1: She's like a, a huge narcissist. So the idea is that, like, it's kind of like taking the mick out of... Um, you know this sort of like tick tock thing at the moment of people being just like completely wrapped up in themselves and you know thinking that the world revolves around them i do, i think that's really really funny and like i i think that it's also quite fun to play a character like that like when i was initially writing stuff i was like this feels so mean like i was like like i don't think people are ever gonna like this character and now like the script is ridiculous and yeah. it's like horrible <laughs> I think it's so funny that initially I was like, God, this feels really mean. Now I've just gone all off.
0: So she's narcissistic. Any other descriptions? Any other
1: She's like very hysterical, um, very like delusional, very... Like, the the problem is, is that now since I performed this this show, people will always send me, like, TikToks or videos that, like, remind me of the character. And then I'm like, I really hope that you're not sending this to me (laughs) because you're like, Rosie, like, just like you. And I'm like, oh, no.
0: Excellent and, and uh, that could be fun I suppose just like an actor uh, playing a baddie um you yes. know um uh, then it, it can be good to express ourselves through those characteristics that hopefully we don't manifest too often as our, as ourselves uh but that 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 sounds um, that sounds good and do you, do you have any other uh characters up your sleeve or that you've developed for anything else or is that um, still yet to be explored
1: I think yet to be explored. Definitely like fully fledged characters. There are like other characters in the show that I can kind of like hop into and hop out but they're not really like anything fully formed. I like I had this kind of like Belgian DJ character who then became like a priest and then he became a guardian angel and it was all like Jens is now no no longer with us in the show because he was becoming ridiculous but the funniest thing to me was that like well every time I did it I was like this doesn't work this is so confusing and then I just see the audience be like what is happening and I'm like I actually kind of grew to love the confusion. um, But then I decided that it was probably best to to just leave it behind.
0: This sounds good. And am I right in thinking that you're involved in training in improv? Is that
1: right? I've actually just finished my level three, but I've not... Taking a bit of a pause. Yeah, yeah. And how
0: have you you found that? You're talking to uh, somebody who who hasn't really um, been involved in improv. Uh, I'm well aware of it. I've seen it perform, but I've never dabbled. So how did you find that? Has that been helpful? Is it something you want to continue with? And... And level three, it sounds good, but I, I'm not <laughs> I don't I'm know, not, not very sure good. <laughs> what, like, what does it go up to, level 100? Yeah, yeah, I'm not
1: very good. I, I think it it's so, it helped me really get back into like getting on stage and like performing again, because it was like the first time that I had got back on performing. <laughs> with when you say off. you're
0: not very good, that's interesting, isn't it? Because none of us are any good at anything until we um, practice it and uh, develop it. So what makes you think you're not very good at it then?
1: Well, so one of the things, one of the rules, because there's lots of rules in improv, which I don't like, and I think that's the thing is that I'm not very disciplined as oh as a performer. So when when I'm being told I have to concentrate on, i that really stresses me out, and I'm often told off for being that. There's this thing. What do they call it? There's when when like your everything that you you come up with should feel like grounded, otherwise like you'll lose the thread of it. So they always talk about like not going to crazy town uh, and i'm constantly was like they just constantly told me uh, off for like everything that i'd say would be like this is crazy town and i was like but it's so funny and they'd be like this doesn't work and like i just really thought it was so funny.
0: okay this is yeah this is this is interesting so perhaps uh, perhaps not your natural home but um it's all uh, all been uh in interesting um, experience you must tell us about the show what what time is it on what venue is it what dates uh, so tell it give us the title of your show again
1: uh, so it's called clementine it is what it's called like rosely minute clementine um on the program it's on at two twenty five at underbelly calgate in delhi belly and it's on for the whole of august And it's, yeah, it's going to be great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course it is. And people must uh, make their way uh, there. Now, in in fairness, um, you started in 2018. Lockdown got in the way. You're just coming um, to Edinburgh with your first solo show. But you've still got uh, some good experience by the sounds of things and you've done a lot of um, different performances, some with other people, some on your own. If somebody's thinking, oh, this sounds great, I'd love to get involved, whether that's improv character or stand-up, do you have any advice or any tips for any would-be budding comedians out there?
1: I would say just, just like, do it. I just, I, I feel like so much of, so often, so, like, whatever you're doing, whether you're doing you know writing a play or painting you can get so hung up in like not being good at it and like I'm not perfect like I'm I'm like everything I'm doing I'm learning and sometimes I look back and I'm like oh my god I can't believe I did the show when it was in that state but you just do you just you're learning and I hope that in a year I'll look back and be like even better and be like Uh god I can't believe I took that to Edinburgh you know what I mean like that's just what it's like you just you just have to start somewhere and I think Uh, The one thing I'd say about it is that um, as long as you don't take any of it too seriously, it's great fun. And I think that's the most important thing, because I think it can be very easy to take yourself too seriously or, you know, take Edinburgh too seriously, because it costs a lot of money. So you have to take it seriously to some extent. (laughs) but I'm just seeing it as like a very expensive holiday. And I think that, you know, so much of these things are are so out of our hands as performers that you, if you're enjoying it, chances yeah. are the audiences are too. That's but if right. you're worried about things and you're yeah. worried about like reviewers or, yeah. you know, you just have to like enjoy it. And I that's
0: think so. Well, happens. no, great advice because I think two things you're saying there. One is uh, just do it. And I and I, I think... Yeah, I had a friend who wanted to dabble in comedy and was forever putting it off. And, and the, the secret really is just put a date in the diary, get a booking, get an open spot, get a couple more. And if you, unless you've got the dates in the diary uh, and you've got a gig and a stage to perform on, then uh, nothing's ever going to happen, is it? And as you say, even if it's the best gig Ever that anybody's ever performed, or it's one of the worst. Um, none of it will really matter that much no. um, in terms of the great scheme of things. So you've got to enjoy it, and that—that's where you've got—you've got to enjoy it as best you can. Although on that middle Tuesday, in the middle of a wet August up in Edinburgh, when um, when your flyers are being thrown in the bin, and there's only two <laughs> people in the audience, it can sometimes be hard. But we'll do it. It can
1: be hard, but you know what? I performed to to one person before. So and I'm I'm so of the opinion that if there's one person in that room, hey, baby, we've got a show like <laughs> I, I I really don't mind about there not That's being enough people. I yeah. I, I need is one person. And then oh, we're yeah. in.
0: That's we're good. good. I, I had an experience on the Free Fringe um, before lockdown. where I did a show uh, a bit more experimental. I had um, I only had two people come in. A man and a woman. And the woman disappeared. I thought she'd just gone to the loo or something. And I said, oh, is your friend coming back? Said, no, oh, no, she's gone to another show. It's just me. And I said, oh, well, there's only one person. So uh, it's probably not worth doing the show. I can just tell you about the show. He said, no, you should do the show. So, 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 I have to say, I wasn't as brave as you. I did about a 15-minute version of a 50-minute show, and then said, "Well, you've got an idea of Let's what it's about." Let's let it about. go. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> shall Should we just talk about it? <laughs> yeah. So, but that's great. And and although it was, uh, I don't know about horrible. Although it was uh, not as great as I hoped, not as good as performing to a packed room of cheering fans. It it it, it became a great anecdote, and I I learned stuff from it. So uh, so this is this is good. So, is there anything else, um, Rosalie, that we should talk about, or is anything else you wanted to mention?
1: I'd love to ask you about is you mentioned in your first, one of the first questions was like talking about play and oh, the yeah. importance of like yeah. what that is as a character comedian. And I'd just be really interested to know like where you, what, how you fall on it and what that means.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. And uh, and I'll say a bit and and see if you've got any thoughts on it because I'm still uh unpacking the idea so uh, one of the things that i'm interested in then is the idea of comedy as play um it's an opportunity for an audience and a performer to escape the real world have some fun and have a laugh and um uh, that can't be a bad thing but i i think that character comedy in particular uh, is very much um, about play it makes me uh, think that we are entering what seems like uh, a childlike state of creativity and imagination and let's pretend so for example uh, children are quite happy dressing up you put on a hat you put on a jacket um three times too too big for you and 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 pretend <laughs> (laughs) to be somebody this is this is typical play and in character comedy we're we're doing something similar but it's not just us being childlike on stage the audience is also being invited into our world and for it to work they have to accept us but accept this bubble of of play, um, but one of the things I'm thinking about is the fourth wall in um, in acting. Uh, so for actors, I haven't done any real acting myself, but for actors, there's a fourth wall, and they don't interact with the audience, and they pretend that we're that they can't see us. Yeah, and for comedy, of course, there is no fourth wall. That's one of the defining features. But for character comedy, in particular, I, I I have an idea that if there is a fourth wall, it's moved to the back of the room so that we're all in the same world. This is one thing I'm I'm interested in, or the forget the fourth wall because that's for the actors and that they've created this bubble of play that we're all that we're all in. So so I suppose what I'm really saying, and it's a long winded way is that um, I suppose uh, Clementine can only come to life, Ian Crawford, cutlery safety expert, can only come to life (laughs) if people accept the premise of us, this fictional character, being real for the time that they're on stage, the things that they're saying, and they need to play along whether that's just like a friend or a parent who 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 accepts that you're riding around the kitchen on a pony or flying in a rocket, they need to pretend just as much as us for it to come to life. So that's, those are the sorts of things I'm thinking about. Uh, does that chime with anything uh, that you experience or think about your own um, comedy?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, that's basically why I like doing it because I, I used to love acting and I, I loved, you know, being a different character and the challenges of that. But I also love like interacting with the audience and like lurching at them. And I, I would find it really hard now, I think. I I did like a, a show earlier this year, like we were in a sort of devised piece, and I found it so hard not to play it as like a to play it to the audience. I'd play it for laughs because I was so used to it. I think I'd find that really hard now. Um but I think that but that's what the beauty of it is, is that you still kind of get that, that level of like world building and, you know, you're kind of invited into a space, which I always love as an audience when you're like, oh, where, where are we? What is this? But then you're also you kind of get the fun of of and like the dynamism of being able to interact with the performer, um, which I think is why it kind of is like the best of both worlds for me. I, I like really like the the sort of in between nature of it.
0: Yeah I think so and perhaps going right back to the start when you described your early performance experience and when you found that by um, perhaps hamming it up or playing to the audience that uh, you enjoyed that more so I guess you might say that was the inner stand up comedian um, uh, battling with the actor to see to see who who has won and it sounds like your uh, comedian uh, self, a comedy self, has has won for the time being. Well, I hope you have a super time at Edinburgh. I have a, a, a feeling, you. I hope that I can get to see your show because it sounds uh, great. And I also must mention for anyone listening to not forget to come and see my show at 7.25 in Paradise Green, the Annex. And, uh, but I'm only there for the middle week. I'm getting too old for all this um, one I month. Understand. Uh, I understand. Was, <laughs> something like that. But no, uh, I hope you have a great time. Uh, sounds- Thank Super. You. And it's been great uh, talking to you, Rosalie, and finding out about your world of comedy.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.